Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we will be previewing the BMW Championship, this week's stop on the PGA Tour. We will be recapping last week at the FedEx St. Jude, as well as previewing the course, getting into some individual golfer profiles, and then going over my one-and-done selection for the week. So, make sure you stay tuned for the very end for that. Now, while I will continue to be doing the golf podcast every week, previewing uh, each week's PGA Tour stop, it is officially fantasy football season, and we've got a lot of fantasy football content on the podcast and on the Patreon. My fantasy football draft guide is available on the Patreon, as well as all of my individual position rankings. That's patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. If you are subscribed to the podcast, just take a look at your podcast feed. I've previewed every position, as well as done over 10 team previews to this point, and there is more content coming your way on both platforms. So if you are interested in fantasy football, make sure you are checking those out. Now, let's start talking some golf. Last week at the FedEx St. Jude, we did have Will Zalatoris getting his first career win. Now, if you listened on the pod, I had kind of been um, hesitant on Zalatoris for throughout the past few weeks, but last week I did mention how it was a better course setup for him and definitely gave him an opportunity to get his first win. I wish I had been a little more aggressive on it in hindsight, but um, you know, Willie Z getting his first win was definitely fun to watch. He's a guy that's been close on the PGA Tour so many times, especially in majors. So getting to see him you know, shut all the haters up, you know, with that clutch putt on 18 and then winning the playoff. That was pretty cool. And I will say, it would not shock me if Will Zalatoris had a chance at going back-to-back. We saw Tony Finau go back-to-back recently, so it can be done. And I'll get into the course profile here a little bit later, but I think this course shapes up really well for Will Zalatoris. And definitely from a mental state, once you know that you can win on the PGA Tour, I think it unlocked potential to get a lot more wins on the PGA Tour. And we've definitely seen that lately with Tony Finau as well. Now, one thing that came out of nowhere, Sepp Straka was a minimum price player on DraftKings and FanDuel last week, and it was because heading into the FedEx St. Jude, he had missed six straight cuts. If you played Sepp Straka, it was kind of a stroke of genius because he ended up losing in that playoff to Will Zalatoris. Now, over the course of Sepp Straka's career, he kind of does this though, where he kind of comes out of nowhere and pops for a top five or a top 10 at a random event, or, you know, like earlier in the year where he won the Honda Classic, he kind of just kind of flips the switch and turns it on and comes out of nowhere and has a good finish. And then, you know, he might do it for another week or two. And then, you know, he might be back to missing those cuts and, you know, having those lesser performances. So, looking at the prices on FanDuel and DraftKings, they didn't really adjust his price a whole lot. He's still very much near the minimum price point. So if you think that he might be able to, you know, keep this thing going and get another top 10, top five, he's definitely at a price point where you can play him at a low risk cost. Because we're going to be talking about later with the format of this event, it is a no cut event. So even if somebody comes in dead last, it's not like they're missing the cut. Another thing, if you watch the broadcast on Sunday, these two guys didn't really get talked about a whole lot, but John Rahm and Colin Morikawa had sneaky top five finishes at the FedEx St. Jude. They both kind of played their way into it on Sunday very quietly, never really had a chance to win the tournament, but because of some other guys that were near the top of the leaderboard kind of faltering on Sunday, they were able to kind of eat their way into 
that fifth position. Uh, and actually, I think that that's a good sign for both of those guys, considering that their recent form coming into the FedEx St. Jude was terrible. We know that at their peak, they're two of the best golfers in the world, especially with their irons. And, you know, they kind of started to show that a little bit at the FedEx St. Jude, but they had not shown that to us the last two or three months. So for that reason, if you want to go back to John Rahm or Colin Morikawa this week, I can totally get that. I'm going to talk later about how this course shapes up that might really benefit one of those guys. Also, we had Tony Finau notching another top five. You know, he was trying to go for the three-peat with three starts in a row, three wins in a row. Didn't quite happen for him, but I think that this is actually a good sign for Tony Finau because I don't think that we saw peak Tony Finau this past week. When you looked at his two wins, he was gaining strokes to the field all across the board, off the tee, approach, and putting. And if you look at it this week, he really didn't gain a whole lot of strokes approach, which, you know, is something that he had done a whole lot, and he didn't really gain very many strokes putting. So those two categories, if he shores those up, he could have very easily had another win. And it's just kind of showing that at his peak, Tony Finau is a guy that can go out and win golf tournaments week in, week out. Also, our guy Tom Kim, Ju Young Kim, uh, he continued to outplay his value on FanDuel and DraftKings last week. If you watch this guy play, he is just incredibly accurate. He does not miss fairways. He does not miss greens. And if that putter gets hot like it did at Wyndham, he has a chance to win any golf tournament he tees it up in. Now, heading into this week, I think the DraftKings finally caught on to the pricing. I think he's priced a little above where he should be on DraftKings, but I think he's still a very good value on FanDuel if you want to keep riding the Tom Kim train and keep plugging him into your lineup. Lastly, for last week, make sure you know that Cam Smith already withdrew from this event, the BMW Championship. He kind of had that controversy where he was assessed a two-stroke penalty uh, before his round on Sunday, which in my opinion, it, I mean, it is by the letter of the law, a two-stroke penalty, but it should not happen to him an hour before he tees off on Sunday. That should have been assessed to him on Saturday. I don't know why the time frame was how it was. You know, there's rumors that Cam Smith is headed to the Live Tour, and this withdrawal might just be, you know, the final nail in that coffin. I don't know what it is, but either way, Cam Smith has withdrawn this week. I will, Obviously, you cannot play him in your lineup, and I would be kind of hesitant to play him next week at Eastlake because I don't exactly know why he's withdrawn. So that kind of recaps everything that was happening at the FedEx St. Jude. Let's go ahead and preview this course, Wilmington Country Club. This new course for the BMW Championship will bring with it a lot of unknown. We're talking about Wilmington Country Club in Delaware. The South Course is where this tournament will be played, and it has never hosted a PGA Tour event or a Corn Ferry Tour event, so this is likely a lot of these guys' first time playing this course. It is a par 71, and it is 7,500 yards long, which is a pretty long course. In terms of yards per stroke, the only course we have seen in the last two years that is lengthier than that is Keough Island, which is one of the longest courses in America. Played host to the PGA Championship last year. However, that 7,500 yards is a little deceiving. There is a lot of elevated tee shots into downhill holes. Not like super duper significant like hitting off a cliff, but enough that even the weaker drivers on the PGA Tour are still going to be able to make sure that they have a chance to hit every green. Uh, another feature, this course, when you look at the flyover, it does have a lot less water than last week at TPC Southwind. Last week, we had a ton of balls find the water. And this course, on the few holes that have water, they're all by the greens, not off the tee. So when you're looking at golfer profiles, guys that spray it are actually not going to be super duper penalizing this week. 
you know, partly for that reason, if they miss off the tee, they're not going to be finding water. This course was designed by Robert Trent Jones, uh, and about the most notable feature of Robert Trent Jones is he has that golf trail in Alabama where he designed like so many different courses. So if there's anybody that's used to playing like in Alabama, they're, they're likely playing a lot of Robert Trent Jones courses. Now, this course, when you look at the flyover, it does not have the widest fairways. However, the tree lines on the sides are not super, super dense. It's not like Sedgefield or like maybe even the TPC Deer Run, where if you miss the fairway, you're just in the middle of a forest. I mean, there are trees on each side of the fairway, but it's not super, super densely populated trees. This course is also known for its feature of bluegrass rough, which can be super duper thick. It, it can be difficult rough if you get your ball in to get it out. However, it's definitely a predictable type of grass. If you hit it in this rough and you get used to hitting out of this rough, you're going to be able to predict how your ball is going to fly out of it as opposed to just kind of hacking away and hoping for the best. This course also has very large greens. It's about the same size as Kapalua in Hawaii, which is host to the Century Tournament of Champions. And those are the biggest greens that are regularly played on the PGA Tour. I say regularly played because St. Andrews this year had the biggest greens that we have seen in the past few years on the PGA Tour. So... What you're going to see is when you look at putting, you want guys who are good lag putters. Like at St. Andrews, you're going to want guys that are good at putting a long putt close to the hole so that way they can make their second putt for par as opposed to you know having like a 12-footer left for par and now they just three-putted for bogey. These greens are bent grass, so if you are looking at strokes gain putting statistics, you are going to want to prioritize bent grass. It's definitely a different skill set from the Bermuda greens that we saw at TPC Southwind last week. And then another feature here at Wilmington is they do have very long par threes. There is only one par three that is under 200 yards. So if you're looking at guys that are long iron specialists or maybe even hybrid specialists, shout out to Matt Kuchar and other guys that still play with hybrids, um, those are going to be guys that can take advantage of that skill skill set on those three long par threes. There are only three par fives. Like I said, the par 71, one par five will be reachable for the whole field. The other two will be three shot holes for the entire field. There's a 630 yard par five. I believe that is on the front nine where there is water like the entire hundred yards in front of the green. So simply put, everybody is going to be laying up on their second shot and then hitting a wedge over the water into that green. So uh, only one par five will be reachable, but it will be reachable by the entire field. Now, a lot of people are speculating what the winning score might be this week. And I think that it could end up going either way. If the rough is not very penal, if the rough is not that thick, then this will turn into a birdie fest. Um, if the rough is thick, then it might end up being like your average PGA Tour score about 15 under maybe might be the winning score. Um, but the bottom line is off the tee, the rough is the only hazard. There's not really a whole lot of situations where you're going to be dealing with like a lot of tree trouble or, you know, hitting into the water off the tee. That's just not something that's going to happen this week. Um, so in terms of course comps, by physical appearance, it kind of reminds me of Winged Foot. Um, it's home of the 2020 U.S. Open, which was won by Bryson DeChambeau, which that course was just kind of a bomber's paradise. Um, I don't want to classify this one as a bomber's paradise. I think there's a few more trees than Winged Foot, but I, I don't know. The appearance just kind of gives off those vibes a little bit. 
I also think that Quail Hollow is a good comparison. Um, Quail Hollow in Charlotte, home of the Wells Fargo Championship, solely because of the length. You know, well, um, Quail Hollow is actually about to host a President's Cup, and the U.S. picked it as their site because long drivers, long hitters, tend to score well at Quail Hollow, you know, which we've seen with the success of Rory McIlroy at Quail Hollow over the years. So Quail Hollow is another um, course comparison for this one. And then lastly, I will say it kind of has a little bit of St. Andrews features. Yeah, I know it's really weird. I'm comparing a country club in Delaware to St. Andrews, the home place, the birthplace of golf. But the bottom line is we got big greens. We got fairways that a lot of people are going to be able to hit. And there's not really a whole lot of hazards off the tee. So those features are kind of in common with St. Andrews. So if you're looking at guys that have scored well at comparable courses. I'm looking at the 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot. I'm looking at Quail Hollow when it has hosted the Wells Fargo Championship. It did not host the Wells Fargo Championship this year, so don't look at that stat. Um, and then I am looking at St. Andrews, home of the Open this year. Um, so when we're looking at a golfer profile that kind of fits this, naturally this year, I want to look at golfers who are very long and very straight. I know, right? That's that's like the recipe for success. I want guys who are good at golf, <laughs> bottom line. But this week, with the length of that course, you're going to want to put yourself in better positions by being long off the tee and putting yourself in positions where you can hit lower irons into the green as opposed to hitting those long irons every single time. And then you also want to be able to keep it straight. Like I said, the fairway is not too wide. If they decide to really crank up this rough and let it get super duper thick, that rough is going to be a penalty if you are not hitting it. And then also, I want that accuracy because of how big the greens are. There's going to be a big difference this week if you've got 40-foot birdie putts as opposed to 10-foot birdie putts. So I want guys who hit it long and hit it accurate. And let's figure out who those guys are. With the withdrawal of Cam Smith, the highest-priced golfer on both FanDuel and DraftKings is Rory McIlroy. This is not a surprise. Rory McIlroy has been outstanding so far this year. Now, Rory McIlroy is also coming off of a missed cut at TPC Southwind last week, which was very uncharacteristic of him. He had not missed a cut in what seems like forever. Now, I'm willing to kind of disregard that missed cut. I don't really know if he should be priced as the overwhelming favorite like he is on FanDuel. But the bottom line is Rory McIlroy lost strokes off the tee last week at TPC Southwood. That is not something that happens to Rory McIlroy very often. It's definitely not something that happens to Rory McIlroy twice in a row. For my money, I, when you count in distance and accuracy, I think he is the best driver of the golf ball in the world. There are guys that hit it farther, but I think they're much more prone to spraying it. Rory McIlroy is that guy that is the king of hitting it long and hitting it straight. He is also the guy at the comp courses I mentioned in terms of Quail Hollow and in terms of St. Andrews. He, you know, he almost won at St. Andrews. He's won at Quail Hollow multiple times. Now, another thing that is very interesting, and this is very weird, it's just kind of a quirk, but Keith Mitchell is a name to look out for because Keith Mitchell seems to perform well at the same courses that Rory McIlroy does. It's super duper weird. I don't really know how to explain it. They kind of have different skill sets. But anyway, if you are looking for somebody to relieve some salary, I think Keith Mitchell is an option if you think this setup plays well for Rory, which I do. So if you're going to Rory at the top of the board, Keith Mitchell is an option to relieve some of that salary. Now, I already talked about Rom and Morikawa. Um, 
The other big name here at the top is Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is a guy that lost a ton of strokes last week putting. Just his putter went super cold on Thursday. It He wasn't able to capitalize on short birdie putts. He wasn't able to convert up and downs as much as he would have liked to. So I'm kind of also like Rory. I'm willing to go back to Scotty. Um, however, I don't really like the price that he's at on FanDuel. I think he's more appropriately priced on DraftKings. He's another guy that, like Rory, hits it really long and really straight. So I'm willing to kind of buy back into Scotty and just hope that that putter comes back. Another guy with a similar profile to Scotty is Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, another guy that hits it long, hits it straight. Justin Thomas is also like the accurate iron player on tour along with Colin Morikawa. So if you think that the big greens is going to be a factor, Thomas is going to be that guy who's going to be able to gain strokes on approach and is going to be able to put the ball where he needs to, to be successful on these greens. I'm also willing to go back to Will Zalatoris this week. I think that this course, you know, if you listen to the preview, this course sets up really well for Willie Z. He's a guy that hits it super long, super straight. He finds a lot of fairways. He finds a lot of greens. And he doesn't need to be super hot with the putter to win. So, like, the profile of him winning last week, he was, like, first in the field on strokes gained approach. He was just very average with the putter. And so I think that if that's kind of the formula for success for Will Zalatoris. If he can do that again, he has a chance to win this tournament and go back-to-back. That takes care of the top tier guys. Now let's jump down a tier real quick. So the first guy that really stands out to me kind of in that next tier down is Matt Fitzpatrick. So if you want to lean into the angle that this is a Northeastern golf course, it kind of really plays into Fitzpatrick. You know, he won at the country club in the Northeast with the U.S. Open. Um, and he also came off a very sneaky tied for fifth place last week. Um, I can definitely see going back to him. He is the king of accuracy. Uh, there's a lot of holes that are dog legs here at this course, and so those will not be intimidating to Fitzpatrick. He can shape the ball however he wants it to. He can place it wherever he wants it to. I see him as a definite viable option. Now, another guy that had a sneaky top five last week is Colin Morikawa. So another course that this place kind of reminds me of a little bit is TPC Harding Park which is all the way on the other side of the country in California, but it was the home of the 2020 PGA Championship, which was won by Colin Morikawa. Uh, And Morikawa did it not by being an elite bomber or anything like that. He did it by being supremely accurate with both his driver and his irons, which is definitely a skill set that could help him here in Wilmington. Now, another guy that that plays into the hands of, Scotty Scheffler had a very quiet, I believe it was tie for third, uh, to finish that tournament. So there's another, those are two options in this tier down that, you know, if you kind of buy into what I'm thinking about this course, those are two definite options. Now, the guy that I really like in this tier is Cameron Young, and I'm afraid he is going to be very popular in all formats this week. Um, He is just the new elite bomber on the PGA Tour. Whatever course you think would be a great fit for Bryson DeChambeau, if he were still playing on the PGA Tour, would be a great fit for Cameron Young. Cameron Young had the worst putting performance of his career at the FedEx St. Jude uh, Championship last week, and he still finished tied for 31st. He lost five and a half strokes putting. So if you give him those five and a half strokes back, that's another top 10 for Cameron Young in this outstanding rookie season he's been having. Uh, It would also be an incredible storyline if you have his former Wake Forest teammate, Will Zalatoris, get his first win at FedEx. And then, you know, Wake Forest guy Cam Young get his first career win back to back at the BMW. Be an incredible story. I think people are going to be all over Cam Young this week. So if you play him, beware of that expected high ownership. 
Another guy that I like is Sung J.M. Sung J has had three great finishes in a row, two runner-ups, and then 12th place last week at the FedEx St. Jude. He's kind of found something in his game that he hasn't had in a while, and he is a guy, like we've been talking about, he is supremely accurate with those irons, and that could be a way that he will get strokes this week. Uh, Victor Hovland is another guy in this tier that I like. Um, if you listen to the St. Andrews comparison earlier, he played great at St. Andrews. That was pretty much the only rounds of golf he played uh, until last week when he teed it up at the FedEx St. Jude, and he finished tied for 20th at that event. So his last two events, he has came in 4th and 20th, which are two pretty good finishes for Victor. And definitely in this price range, that would pay off his price if he were to repeat those performances. Now, due to the strength of this field and the fact that this is pretty much the top 68 golfers that are left on the PGA Tour with the exception of Cam Smith, um, and obviously you can't include the live guys, but this field is so strong that I really think when you look to build out these lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings, you can pick pretty much whoever you want and then find the, any amount of salary relief to you know to fill it as you need to. Because what ends up happening is if you look at each tier of golfers, they're not that much worse than than the first one, but in price, they are priced like they're much worse than the first one. So, you know, go up the board and get the guys you like, and then go down the board and get the guys you like. And I think there are definitely plenty of options to fill out a lineup this week. So we're looking at kind of this third tier, starting to look at guys that can give you a little bit of salary. The, the first one is Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, like we've talked about with him before, we don't want to play him at courses where getting wild off the tee messes you up. And this is one of those where that only penalty off the tee is rough. It's not water. It's not fescue. It's not OB. It's just hitting it in the rough, maybe having a little bit of tree trouble. So if Hatton does spray the driver a little bit, he can still recover. He's got an elite iron game. He's got an elite short game. And he is the type of guy that I could see winning this week. Another guy that I could see winning this week is Cam Davis. So Cam Davis is on a little bit of a heater right now. He has not finished any worse than 16th since the Travelers Championship. That was back in June. If this plays as a bomber's course, he is another supreme bomber. He hits it really far, and he can get really hot and really accurate with it. He's won the Rocket Mortgage before, which, again, playing back to the Cam Young analysis, it was a course Bryson DeChambeau won at. So courses that are good for Bryson are courses that are good for Cam. Davis. Other two rookies that I will feel the need to mention here, I already mentioned Cam Young, who is probably the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, Sahith Thigawa and Davis Ridley. They have both had these nice little bounces back uh, since the string of missed cuts that they had there in July. Uh, I think both of them are solid options. I just think that, you know, we're still trying to figure out what they are, but they're well-rounded golfers. And I think that for both of them, the first win is coming. I just don't know when, but I think at their salaries this week, their abilities are definitely there. The They are a legitimate option in all formats this week. Another guy I want to talk about, continuing on with the Bryson comparison, is Taylor Pendrith. So Taylor Pendrith had a pretty good showing when he was super-duper young at Winged Foot at the U.S. Open, and you know I compared this course a little bit to Winged Foot earlier, so that's a natural comparison here for Pendrith. And if you look at his performance at the FedEx St. Jude, he made the cut and played terribly over the weekend, but it was solely due to that putter. He was That was the only area where he lost strokes to the field, and he's an elite driver of the golf ball. I think if he can just get that putter, putter straight this week. He's going to be in line to keep up this string of recent form that he has that has been outstanding. Looking further down the board, these are pretty much the only names that I would consider playing from down here. Um, obviously, if I continue to do more research and I like a guy that you know warrants 
mentioning. I'll, I'll put it on the Patreon article. But for now, here are the guys I like near the bottom of the board. I like Keith Mitchell. So if you feel like this is a Rory course, then this is also a Keith Mitchell course. For whatever reason, he plays outstanding at the courses that Rory McIlroy does. So if you like Rory this week, you're probably going to like Keith Mitchell. It's just a natural combo. Trey Mullinax has really been on a tear since uh, July. You know, he won the Barbasol Championship, and he really has just been killing it since then. He had a great finish at the FedEx St. Jude. You know, kind of didn't perform as well as he could have on Sunday, but we'll take a tie for fifth place out of anybody in this salary range. And I just kind of think he can continue that heater just a little bit. He's never really been this good in the entirety of his PGA Tour career, but this stretch he's been on, you know, it's time to cash in now. So I definitely could see myself putting Molinax in lineups this week. Another two guys that have great recent form, JT Poston. He had the win at the John Deere, missed cut at the Open, but he's followed it up with three great performances. And Emiliano Grillo, who finished runner-up at the 3M last month. Both of those guys I would consider. I don't really think they're the best course fit, but they are guys that can get super hot with their irons and be super-duper accurate. Another two, I mentioned them last week. I like them again this week. Taylor Moore and Andrew Putnam. Much like Trey Mullinax, they are on incredible recent form tears, and I think that they will be able to outplay their value this week. Again, this is a no-cut week, so these are two guys that can go out and make birdies. On DraftKings and FanDuel, birdie bogey is worth more points than par par, even though in the tournament, they're both going to still be sitting at even par. So those are two guys that I think are options and speaking of birdie makers, Wyndham Clark is another bomber that kind of plays into what I was talking about earlier with the bombing, with the ah, with the bomber logic. There we go. And so he's another guy that he can make birdies in bunches. He's a guy that I could see getting hot with the driver and just absolutely tearing this course up. And then also this week, like I said, because the field is so strong, some of the minimum priced guys on both sites are options. Uh, for m- my perspective, I would prefer Kirk Kitayama and Lucas Herbert. I think those are guys that have a chance to pop. Those are the two guys that are probably the most likely to end this week with a top 10. All right, so let's talk a little bit about building a lineup, a little bit about one and done, and then we'll be out. On FanDuel and DraftKings this week, I think that the strength of the field gives you a lot of options. Like I said, these are like the top 68 golfers on the PGA Tour. So building out your lineup, you can really go in any direction you want. You can go with a balanced build where you get just as many quality golfers as possible, or you can go with a stars and scrubs approach where you pretty much just try to find the winner and then guys at the bottom that have top five upside. I think either strategy could end up being successful this week. Now, in terms of the outright betting market, I don't think I would mess with anybody below 40 to 1. Kind of like a major, I just feel like this is going to be won by one of the big dogs. Um, I think that to beat out the other quality golfers, you've got to pretty much be one yourself over four days. And I think that only probably about the top 15 guys are actually capable of that. And so I would probably stay away from the much higher numbers in terms of the outright betting market. In terms of guys I'm definitely playing in my lineup this week, I do think there are two mispricings, one on each site. On DraftKings, I think that Cameron Young is severely mispriced at only $8,900. He's definitely somebody that when I make my DraftKings lineup this week, he will be in there. And then on FanDuel, I think that they messed up by having Tom Kim at only $9,800. The fact that he is below the average is just staggering to me. He's somebody you can go to for salary relief, and he's coming off of a win and like top 10s and top 20s, even in 
stacked field events. I just think that that price is just a steal on FanDuel for Tom Kim. So those are the two guys I would probably be locking into my lineup this week. Like I said, you can go with various approaches. I'll have to take a look and see what I want to do from there. But those are the two on each site that I feel the best about heading into this week. Now let's talk one and done. So before you make your one and done pick for this week, you need to know how your one and done is dealing with the tour championship. If they're a proper one and done, they're probably not even doing the tour championship. If I'm being honest, the way the tour championship does starting strokes and the prize money is just something that you should be staying away from if you are in a serious one and done, in my personal opinion. So you need to know that rule because if not, if your one and done is not doing the tour championship, man, that was tough to say. If your one and done is not doing the tour championship, this is your last week. This is your last stand. So pretty much just look at the odds list or look at the pricing on FanDuel and DraftKings. Find the highest price guy that you have left, and that's pretty much going to be where you are at. For me personally, this would end up being Joaquin Neiman. Um, another name that I think that a lot of people probably have would be Cam Davis. Um, but, you know, it would end up being Joaquin Neiman for me for the one and done. Now, quick little anecdote. I told you last week about the two and done that I am in. I was actually planning on playing Cam Smith in that two and done this week. And y'all see how that worked out for me. He has a big WD next to his name. And the selection of Scotty Scheffler last week lost me a little bit of ground. So I need to try to make it up. Now, unfortunately for me, I kind of anticipate that a few people that I need to gain ground on are going to be playing Tony Finau, who is the best golfer that I have left. So I do believe that I'm going to turn to either Colin Morikawa or Cam Young. Um, I'll have to do a little more research to see just to make sure that the two people that I'm chasing cannot play either of those two people. But if you are in a two and done or a one and done and you need to play strategy, look at who the players above you have left and know who they can can and cannot pick if you want to gain strokes. Obviously, you could play it conservatively and try to anticipate their pick and pick the same person, but that's not fun. You always want to go for the win. So last thing, I did it last week and I went horribly wrong with it, but this week, if I am picking an outright winner, the outright winner that I think it is going to be is... Cam Young. I just think it'd be too good of a story uh, for Will Zalatoris and Cam Young to go back to back. I don't think that he loses five and a half strokes putting again like he did last week. And I do think that this plays into being a bomber's course. So this week, due to the lack of course history, it's going to be super unpredictable. We don't really know what to expect, but we do know what to watch for. So as you're building your lineups, kind of keep narratives in mind. You know, you have a feeling of and a vibe of whether you're going with bombers, whether you're going with elite iron players. I think it's going to be one of the two of those that end up taking it home this week. So we'll just have to watch and see how it goes. Hopefully it'll be a fun tournament. The strength of field is great. So it should be some great golf over there in Delaware this week. If you want to see the rest of my official picks, they will be going on to the Patreon on Wednesday. So make sure you are checking that out. Um, but other than that, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully I can help you win some money and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.